We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello, here to preview a big divisional game for the Titans, their second divisional opponent, third divisional game. Could be huge for the Titans to set them up to control the division the rest of the way. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some injuries. We're going to talk about some roster moves. Justin, how are you doing today? Doing well. I feel like I say this every episode, but we have a loaded episode today. And you know what? I'll stop saying it once we stop having loaded episodes. (laughs) Yeah, I like that idea. We definitely have a loaded episode. Got a great guest joining us later, Jordan Pun from uh, Texans Thoughts. And then we're going to hear from superstar safety of the Titans, Kevin Byard, who spoke with Justin Mello earlier this week. And you can read the full interview soon, but we have some clips from it that apply to this matchup that we're going to play. And super excited to have KB on the podcast again. Yeah, Kevin Byard and I had a great conversation. You could actually go read that interview right now, essentially, as of Thursday morning on Broadway Sports. You can read the full thing for this episode here. Uh, we're, keeping, we're keeping the theme. This is a Texans preview episode, and I specifically asked Kevin Byard about preparing for the Texans, what they've seen from them so far, and how they're approaching this game against the Texans. So that's what you'll hear uh, from Kevin Byard here on the Music City Audible. And we're going to save that for the final portion of this podcast, and we're going to start now with some roster moves and some injury updates because we've all been watching the practice report to see how some of these injured titans participate um, on wednesday and we'll continue to monitor it as the week comes to a close but recording this before the thursday injury report comes out obviously as you're listening to this probably on thursday morning so we'll talk about wednesday but let's get right into it the titans have moved kyle phillips to injured reserve so he'll be out at least the next four games Sad for the rookie receiver to end up on IR. That's now two rookie receivers the Titans have lost for a period of at least four games. We'll see if Traylon Burks can come back within that window or if it's even longer. We don't know. It looks like a hamstring injury for Kyle Phillips this time after dealing with a shoulder earlier in the year. This is a bummer for the Titans offense that is still searching for playmakers. Yeah, it's a shame, right? Like we all expected Kyle Phillips to come in and Catch 70 balls. Like expectations were through the roof, right? Based on what we saw in training camp. And of course, the pre draft scouting report and what he did at UCLA. Really unfortunate that he hasn't been able to stay healthy, right? He suffered that shoulder injury in week one against the Giants, potentially after making that diving catch near the sideline in the fourth quarter that set the Titans up in field goal range. Um, and now it's a hamstring ailment that really, it was, a, it was a Friday edition, right? The dreaded Friday addition to the injury report last week where he popped up with a hamstring out of nowhere. So you figure he hurt that thing, uh, I guess, on Thursday, right? Pulled it at practice. So now he goes on IR. It's starting to feel like Kyle Phillips's rookie season is going to come to a close without him, without us really knowing what he's capable of contributing. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a sad thing to see. Ryan Tannehill said in his press conference that it was tough to see Phillips go down late last week. So, you know, it wasn't something that happened in a game, but definitely a practice injury. But in a corresponding move, the Titans have signed off of the Chiefs practice squad to their active roster veteran receiver Chris Conley, who 
has never really been good enough to stick around anywhere for for his career, but he has made plays throughout his time in the league. He's spent time with the Texans and the Jaguars, so some divisional familiarity there. What do you know about Chris Conley? I think the most interesting thing to me is, first of all, he's a, he's a name that's known, right? I think for the most part, if you're a football fan, you know who Chris Conley is. He's been around long enough. He's made enough plays in the NFL, enough touchdown catches to the point where you know where he is. And if I remember correctly, he had like an amazing pre-draft workout that like blew the lid off the combine. Again, that's several years back. So, But the most interesting thing to me about this, and the Titans, we don't see the Titans typically do this, and it might be a total coincidence, but this year he has spent time with the Titans' next two opponents. He started the year um, with the Houston Texans, and as you just said, was signed off the Chiefs' practice squad. So Titans obviously have the Texans this weekend, and then they get the Chiefs next weekend on Sunday Night Football. So it's pretty interesting that their latest receiver spent time with both of their next – not just spent time, like spent time this season. Like he had their playbooks in 2022. So a pretty interesting little nugget there. Yeah, I think the toughest thing for Chris Conley now is going to be building chemistry with his new quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, because as we're about to talk about, and let's transition to it now, Tannehill did not practice on Wednesday. I wouldn't be totally shocked if he didn't practice again uh, Thursday. Maybe he'll be out there limited on Friday as the team transitions to more of a walkthrough. They definitely have a walkthrough on Saturday. So Tannehill talked about getting mental reps and how important that is this week, but I don't know. I guess the good news is Tannehill was not seen in a walking boot at his press conference on Wednesday. And the fact that he even spoke at all on Wednesday probably bodes well for his status. I would agree that that's probably the best news. He had the walking boot Sunday post game, wasn't in the walking boot um, on, on Wednesday, as you as you mentioned. Um, he called it an ankle sprain, said he's going to leave it at that, which I guess isn't shocking because Titans are typically pretty secretive with injuries. And in this case, they should be. I don't know how much we're going to know about Tannehill's status before Sunday. Like, unless they flat out rule him out on Friday, which I don't think they're going to do, um, we're not going to know. They're going to take this thing down to the wire, I anticipate. And, and of course, the one thing I'm thinking of is on, on Saturday, uh, they usually have to announce their, their game day elevations, right, from the practice squad. So if they elevate Logan Woodside, you, you could potentially anticipate that Tannehill's not going to play and, and Woodside's coming in here to be the number two backup quarterback to Malik Willis or even potentially going to start, but it certainly seems you think they'd go with Willis. Um, but even then, they could elevate Woodside and carry three quarterbacks just because Tannehill's gimpy, right? And, and, and is at risk of re-injuring. So even if they elevate Woodside, you, you can't say with 100% certainty um, that it's because Ryan Tannehill is not going to play this game. So no matter what throughout this week, if he doesn't practice on Thursday, if he doesn't practice on Friday, if they elevate Woodside on Saturday, um, I think this thing is going to come down to Sunday. And even if all of those things happen, um, he could still play on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the Titans being secretive about injuries. Tannehill was asked directly multiple times about the status of his ankle, and here's what he had to say in response to reporters at Titans practice on Wednesday. It's an ankle sprain. I'll leave it at that. Will it be more of a, a pain tolerance thing than a structural thing when it comes down to it? You think? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. You guys see where this is going, right? So <laughs> <laughs> you can you can keep trying, or we can go on to Houston. Whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> so uh, 
high ankle sprain, regular ankle sprain, uh, it's an ankle sprain. So I think we all expected that it was an ankle sprain, and now we have confirmation that it is an ankle sprain. We have no idea what type or how severe, but it is nice to see him not in a walking boot. Typically, and we mentioned this on the recap, they'll put players in a walking boot just as a precaution whenever they have a foot or ankle or any kind of lower leg injury just to keep the, the injured area immobilized. And the fact that he's already out of the walking boot, I think is a great sign. Do you have a concern level that Tannehill won't play in this game if you if you had to rate it 1 to 10? I'll probably put it somewhere between a 3 and a 4. Like, I, I do think it's possible. I wouldn't totally rule it out. I, I lean towards thinking he will play. But then I, I worry about what version of him we get right like if he's severely hampered or or overly gimpy we've seen what this offensive line is in pass protection it's not good um and then anything quite frankly that further limits this offense this passing offense is not good because they're already pretty bad right we talked about how many receivers they're missing they went into last week's game with four receivers on the roster two of them being mason kinsey and Cody Hollister, and quite frankly, three of them being Nick Westbrook-Akine, right? So uh, this is not a a good passing offense right now. It's not a good offensive line right now. So even if he plays, I I think there are... are, I go into every Titans game concerned about the offense this season, right? As I I think everyone is. So certainly my uh, alarm level would raise uh, even further if it's an injured version of Tannehill out there. Yeah, I agree with you. I will say this is not the same team, but it's the same franchise that the Titans once rolled out a backup quarterback against uh, and managed to win with the only passing touchdown being a Kevin Byard passing touchdown. They also had lots of tackle injuries in that game. So it wouldn't be totally shocking for me to see them come up with a game plan um, that mitigates Tannehill's injury or that just takes advantage of Malik Willis's rushing ability or whatever it may be if Tannehill can't go. So my concern level right now, I'm going to say it's a two. So I'm less concerned than you. I feel pretty confident Tannehill will play. And the fact that he was able to make the throw that he made to Austin Hooper, which was a laser down the middle of the field into a tight window, despite the plant foot being already injured, I think that Tannehill's going to be just fine for this one. He may not feel great, but I think he'll play, you know, about the level we've seen him play this year. Let's talk about some of the other guys who didn't practice on Wednesday or practice in limited capacity. Let's do rapid fire here and we can move on to our game preview. Jeffrey Simmons did not practice with an ankle injury. Any concern that he won't play? No. I mean, he departed uh, the last, the victory over the Colts with that ankle injury. He came back and played. And I imagine this is a pretty standard maintenance slash rest day for Simmons, of course, with an actual injury designation because he did hurt his ankle, but he'll play Sunday, I imagine. Same. I'm fully in agreement there. Rashad Weaver with a back injury did not practice. I feel like that's the first time we've seen that. So Same. I don't yeah, know how concerning that is yet. It's a little too early to say. I'll just say that the Titans uh, certainly benefit from having a healthy and available Rashad Weaver. Right. Um, Aaron Brewer with a toe showed up on the injury report as a limited participant. What do you make of this one? I never worry about limited participants on Wednesday in all honesty. Like unless, you know, I'll kind of leave it at that. Like we'll, we'll see on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this will be fine. They, they spoke with him at his locker, so I, I think he's okay to go and probably just taking things easy this week after a physical hard-fought win last week. Uh, Dylan Cole, hamstring limited. Morgan Cox, ankle limited. As you said, it's a little too early to even know if those mean anything, but let's talk about Nate Davis returning with his foot injury in a limited capacity on Wednesday. I like Nate Davis's chances to return in this game. What do you think? 
Yeah, me too. I would say this is the one instance or one of those rare instances where a limited designation is a good thing, right? When the player was out the previous two weeks. So uh, it sounds like he's getting back. But then again, I believe he was limited on last Thursday and then out on Friday. So obviously he has struggled to string together practices and, and prove that he's passed that injury. So it's a good sign, but you certainly got to be a little weary based on the recent pattern. Right. Something to track for the rest of this week. Not much we really know right now. Bud Dupree popped up with a hamstring. This is not the hip injury that's been limiting him this season so far. A hamstring injury limited in practice. I hope that this is somewhat of a maintenance day for a veteran guy who's been banged up this year, but it's definitely a little troublesome to see that the hamstring is what's causing him to be out and not this the, the ongoing hip issue. Yeah, Bud Dupree has lived on the limited... Um, you know, <laughs> side or out of the side of the practice injury report since joining the Titans. So uh, it almost has to be a little concerning based on his inability to stay healthy for long stretches of time, long periods of time since joining the Titans. But again, it being Wednesday and limited, uh, as, as you said, you hope it's just kind of a rest day thing. Right. Um, we're getting towards the end of it here. A pretty long injury report. Ben Jones with that knee issue that he was dealing with during the game. Apparently, Ben Jones also dealing with some sort of stomach bug during last week's game. Toughed it out. You saw that incredible moment that we talked about on the recap between him and Mike Vrabel after the game. Really blowing up around social media. But he's now limited with a knee issue. It's Ben Jones, though. I'm not concerned even a little bit. He's going to play. Yeah, we can probably leave it at that. Like, Ben Jones will play on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, David Long, I believe this is the first time we've seen him on the injury report this year. He's got a groin issue, still a limited participant, so not super concerning. Um, but I think David Long, probably another one of those guys who played a physical game, getting a little extra rest on Wednesday. What do you make of this one? I think I'm going to wrap this up, if you don't mind, because I don't think we got to go through the whole injury report. Like, limited, as you said, probably be fine. I know Tory Carter didn't practice. Uh, I guess semi-concerned because he did miss the last game. I don't know how you know big of a loss that is when a fullback goes down. Uh, Titan seemed pretty okay without it on uh, on Sunday. Uh, and then on, I, I know uh, who, who am I missing here? Uh, Zach Cunningham and Joe Jones returned to full Jones, participation. That's it. Joe Jones and Zach Cunningham returned. That's a good sign. They've both been out for like a month or longer. Uh, Dylan Cole and Joe Schulberg had been basically splitting reps in Cunningham's absence. Uh, perhaps Cunningham is finally on the right track to return. And this is a hashtag revenge game for Zach Cunningham. Uh, obviously released by the Texans midseason last year and joined the Titans. Was really happy about that. He was pretty blunt, right, every time uh, they asked him about the Texans. So you know he wants to uh, be back for this one. Yeah, no doubt about it. Revenge game, he's going to want to be motivated to play well. All right, so that's the injury updates for the Titans. Overall, uh, not much has changed. The guys are banged up. They've been banged up all year, and they'll continue to play banged up throughout the rest of the season, pretty much. Let's move on now. Let's start talking about the Houston Texans, and we're going to get into this preview with our worst matchup of the week presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. Again, if you're new to the show, the worst matchup. We are talking about the worst matchup in the sense that you think of, but the worst is spelled with a U in honor of the incredible worsts that you can get only at the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. So let me toss this one to you first. Do you have a worst matchup in mind before I tell you what I'm thinking? Yeah, I'm finally switching it up here. I'm not going with a pass rusher against Dennis Bailey <laughs> or Aaron Brewer. I'm actually excited to be switching it up because I feel like I've been repeating myself. 
Um, I think Brandon Cooks is the best player on the Houston Texans. He's had success against the Titans in the past. I, I don't even think it's close. Like, not only is he their best player on offense, I think he's their best player on the entire roster. Uh, he's a guy that still has deep speed, even though he's getting up there in age. You have to respect his presence on the field. Um, I'll round off a fun stat that was told to me recently uh, by Kevin Byard, actually, Titan safety Kevin Byard. The majority of the passing yards the Titans have allowed this season occurred on just 12% of their defensive snaps. So they have been susceptible to that big play uh, this year. And Brandon Cooks is a guy that's still capable of creating that big play. And look, I like the way Christian Fulton's playing. I like the way Roger McQuarrie is playing. I even like the way Terrence Mitchell is playing right now. But Brandon Cooks is a terrific receiver uh, that can make his impact on this game. So that is my worst matchup of the week. Yeah, keep Caleb Farley off the field, and I think the Titans will be okay. <laughs> uh, my worst matchup of the week, I'm actually going to flip this on its head. This is for the Texans. It's the worst matchup that the Texans have to deal with this week is Derrick Henry against their entire defense. The Texans are currently allowing the most rushing yards per game to opposing teams this season. They are also allowing the most big plays per game, and they are allowing the 28th a few uh the fifth most i don't know fifth most yards per play overall with the 31st ranked total defense meanwhile the titans are fourth in rushing fourth and first and third down conversion percentage and derrick henry has absolutely dominated this Texans defense in each of the last three games he played against them. Remember, he missed both matchups last season against the Texans, so he didn't have a chance to extend this streak. But dating back to the Week 17, 2019, when Derrick Henry hit 2,000 yards, and then Week 6, 2020, Week 17, 2020, he had over 200 yards and two over two rushing, t at least two rushing touchdowns in each of those three games. No other player in NFL history has ever had 200 plus yards. Um, against a single opponent three different times, let alone three games in a row. So you see what Josh Jacobs did to them last week, 20 carries, 143 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a 7.2 yard per carry average, and his longest run only went for 15 yards. So this Texans defense struggled consistently to stop Josh Jacobs on the ground just from picking up chunks and chunks at a time. I think this is a game we mentioned Tannehill status. No matter what you're dealing with for Tannehill, Give the ball to Derrick Henry. Let him run all over this Texans defense. Has had trouble stopping anyone on the ground. I think that is the worst matchup. So that'll do it for that little section. Worst matchup of the week. Thank you to the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden again for sponsoring that segment. Let's now bring on our guest and get to the Houston Texans. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, let's get to it then. Let's welcome in our guest now. We're excited to be joined by Jordan Pun, who is currently a video producer with the 33rd Team, uh, a company that's doing a lot of great work full of ex-players and scouts and just really good football insight. Used to write for the Texans Wire and uh, Battle Red blog. Check him out on YouTube, Texans Thoughts. Jordan, welcome to our podcast. How you doing? Hey, Justin and Justin. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I've been a big fan of, of Justin Mello for sure for a few years. We've gone back and forth. He was kind enough to, to join me when I wanted to write an article about the NFL draft. And so I've been a big fan of you guys. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on and to talk Texans then. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Appreciate the kind words, man. Really do. Well, we wouldn't have you on here if, if we didn't know that you were full of a bunch of terrific insight into the Houston Texans, into this game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with the quarterback. Uh, I think it's the most appropriate place to start. Uh, what has been your early evaluation of Davis Mills this season? <sighs> Davis Mills, in the first six games of the season, I put up five fingers, but it's six games <laughs> of the season, 
looked like he regressed from his rookie year, which is just not what you wanted to see out of a young signal caller. You would hope that the arrow would continue to point upwards after he had a, a pretty solid improvement in his last five games of the 2021 season. But going into 2022, he didn't look as confident, as comfortable, and like the same player really at all. Now, luckily, the Texans are coming off of Davis Mills' best performance of this 2022 season versus the Las Vegas Raiders. So among the fan base, there is a little bit more of increased optimism surrounding Davis Mills because we finally saw, hey, this is that guy that as a rookie, he flashed some big throws, he flashed some good moments, like maybe he is really our guy. And I would love to hop on that, that bandwagon. I would love for him to be our franchise quarterback. But in my opinion, like this was just one game. When you have one good game compared to six bad games of this season, I just can't get on that train yet, especially when we think about the scenario and the context behind Davis Mills' good game against the Raiders, where they're really a bottom five defense. We had the bye week off to prepare an entire week in advance for them. And in the end, he really kind of shit the bed in the fourth quarter. So for me, my evaluation of Davis Mills, I'm ready to look at Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony yeah. Richardson, Will Levis. Hell, I'm looking at 2024, Caleb Williams and Quinn Ewers as well, guys. So <laughs> that's my thoughts on Davis Mills. How much do you think the Texans really want to keep winning right now? I think they currently hold the number two and number four overall picks. That could position them pretty well to get one of those young quarterbacks. Yeah, it's tough because I think Lovey Smith is, is a head coach who wants to win football games. I don't think he, – he comes from the old school mentality, right? I don't think he would ever, ever subdue to the idea of, of organic tanking, right? So right. that's a tough variable to throw in. But then you got the GM, Nick Casario, and, and I think he is a very analytically driven type of person. He, he understands the context of this team that, hey, we're not making the playoffs. Let's not waste our time here. Let's – Let's play the young guns. Let's try and, and be competitive. But at the end of the day, if we don't win, that's not too bad. So I think you're right on the line of things, Justin. That's they're okay with with definitely getting a top three, top five pick this year <laughs> or two. How would you give us a scouting report so far on Damian Pierce's rookie season? I think he's leading all rookie running backs in yards and touchdowns. Um, how, what have you seen out of him so far that you like? Yeah, Damian Pierce is the epitome of he will make something out of nothing. That's really what he does because he's running behind a pretty mediocre Texans offensive line. Um, and yet he is fifth in the NFL in rushing yards, fifth in yards after contact. Um, he's second in missed tackles forced. So he's doing a lot of um, great things from the running back position that add on yards, like making the first man miss, breaking tackles, like getting yards that aren't blocked for him essentially. So I think he's done a great job of that. And those rankings that I mentioned, him being fifth in rushing yards, fifth in yards after contact, second in missed tackles for us that's all with him playing uh just six games because we did have an early bye this week so it's been really really impressive what a fourth round rookie running back has been able to do in kind of a bad offensive situation and i hope that can continue versus the titans but i know your guys is one of your guys' strengths is definitely that run defense and that d-line in general yeah definitely yeah, D-line has been playing much better lately stuffing the run and great job against jonathan taylor a couple weeks ago um I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball here. And this feels pretty timely, Jordan, with the trade deadline approaching. Um, do you think they'll trade Brandon Cooks? And I, I think that's the obvious question because his name's been floating around in rumors. This is a guy they just signed to an extension earlier this year. So it, it would seem odd, but he's also, what, 29 years old. He's their most attractive, tradable asset. Obviously building for the future as we touched on. So do you think Cooks will get moved? 
Uh, I think it's really highly unlikely. Um, number one, because I think his trade value is at an all-time low now because he has had a bit of a down season this year, which is not entirely his fault, also to do with the regression of Davis Mills. But at the end of the day, Nick Casario is not going to want to lose this trade. Like you said, he is one mm-hmm. of their most valuable trade assets. Um, but that comes with a lot of dead cap if he does get traded because, like you mentioned, he mm-hmm. did just get signed to a two-year extension. And so I believe the dead cap is over $20 million if he's traded this year. And I know I've seen reports on Twitter saying that teams like the Chiefs, um, I think it was maybe the Packers, and, and one other team reached out about Brandon Cooks, but talks weren't that, didn't go that far. The offers weren't that serious. And so I think teams are lowballing the Texans right now as they should because Cooks' value is so low. And Nick isn't going to stand for that. So I wouldn't um, expect the trade to go down. Yeah, the Rams, the other team in that in the mix there that called about him. Um, Jonathan Grenard has been maybe the Texans' best pass rusher this year, uh, up there with Jerry Hughes. Going to injured reserve now, how much will the Texans miss him, especially in a game against the Titans who have one of the maybe the worst pass-protecting offensive lines in the league? You might think maybe you won't miss him as much. What, what do you think about how this affects the Texans this week? <laughs> Um, I think you're absolutely right. He is kind of our our guy on the D-line, but I think that statement alone kind of says a lot about just the talents of our D-line and that it's it's a bit lacking because as good as, as much as I personally like Grenard, I loved him out of Florida, um, he has kind of taken a bit of a step back from last year where he got eight and a half sacks in 12 games. He has not been nearly as productive this season. He's been dealing with lingering injuries. And so we will see a little bit of a drop-off going to our backups in Rasheem Green and Ogbo Okoronkwo, but it's not like we're losing, say, um, like our best defensive player. So I'm not like entirely worried about it. I think at the end of the day, like <laughs> the Titans are going to take this game. I shouldn't be saying this this early in this, but I think I'm not very confident in the Texans anyway, so it's not going to really change my prediction, I would say. I see. We'll we'll get to that in a minute or two, Jordan. But uh, we've already talked about Damian Pierce. You know I'm a draft guy. I'm over at the Draft Network. So I'm going to keep it with the draft. I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball here. Uh, What can you tell us about Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley Jr. and the way they performed uh, this season so far? I love both players coming out. I I thought Stingley was a no-brainer evaluation. Really liked how how early the Texans drafted him because there was a lot of sort of negative discussions around him. And I thought Petrie was a terrific second-round prospect as well. Yeah, we'll start with the number three overall pick, Derek Stingley. He's been thrown into the fire. He's been asked to guard the opposing team's wide receiver ones, follow them around wherever they go on the field, do a lot from like a coverage responsibility perspective, playing press man, off man, all types of zone coverages. So they're really throwing him the entire book and just saying, hey, trial by fire. This is how you're going to get better. Let's see it. And for the most part, he's performed really admirably, especially considering that, you know, cornerback really is one of the toughest, if not the toughest position to transition from uh, to the NFL. So, and he's been having to go up against guys like Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Adams. And so now yeah. this week up against the Titans, thank God he doesn't have to go up against AJ Brown anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's been good. I think um, I would love to see him get more man coverage rep opportunities because that is his bread and butter that's what he's been known for all his life and lovey smith he's known for the tampa too so it wasn't the most natural fit um but i think despite that we're seeing good um production and play out of stingley so far and then Jalen Peachtree, the man on my on my wall behind me uh he 
absolutely been one of my guys for so long in the draft process. I loved him. I got the chance to interview him at the senior bowl uh, down in Alabama. And that was such a good opportunity. And he's one of those guys who he's just a dog on the field. He's always flying around, making plays, pursuing the ball. He plays like his head's on fire. Um, he's primarily been playing strong safety for us. We'll take a lot of reps in the box and he's been a good run defender there. Um, he will have responsibilities regarding tight ends and man coverage. He's been so, so there. Um, I think he's made a lot of splash plays and I think mm. that's a really big help for our defense, but he's also just need to clean up his tackling. He's got a lot of missed force, a lot of missed tackles, um, which cannot happen against Derrick Henry. And that right. Offense. Yeah. Uh, Houston run defense struggling a little bit. See if the, the Titans can take advantage of that. I wonder if that struggling run defense has anything to do with this stat. The Texans have outscored their opponents 99 to 79 through three quarters if you take the total of this season, but they are one and five, one five and one right now, I believe. One four and one, one five and one. Only one one game is my point there. And uh, I'm curious if, they, if you've seen anything that might be the reason that they are blowing these leads or or failing to keep these games as close late into the fourth quarter if it is the run defense or something else you've seen that has prevented the texans from closing out some of these games yeah it's uh they're in a really interesting position right now where yeah their scoring margin in the first three quarters is ninth best in the nfl and then second worst in the nfl in the fourth quarter like you mentioned so absolutely craziness um, from a run defense perspective, it does seem a little bit like there's, there's two main issues. One is, is just the pure lack of talent, um, especially at the defensive tackle position and the linebacker position. And then the other one is, is yeah, these guys are getting gassed in late in games. Mm. And part of that, my hypothesis in that is that Lovey Smith asks um, his defenses to play with a lot of fire, a lot of energy, constantly going all out. Um, they play a very aggressive, one-gapping, like attacking style of defense that's can tire these guys out. And so over the course of the games, definitely in the fourth quarter, you see them kind of just taking a little bit slower to process their, their reads and get to the pro proper gaps. And so it's been a, it's been a big time struggle. And that's also been coupled by the fact that the offense also typically starts to decline in the fourth quarter. And so mm -hmm. they're having short drives. The defense is just out there for longer and it's a mess. Wow. Well, Jordan, look, we've really appreciated your time today. We're going to close this out with a prediction. How do you see this game going and maybe a final score? Oof. I'm going to say the Titans are going to take this. I think they are the more well-rounded and talented team. Um, I would probably say like 24 to 17, 24 to 14, something like that. Should be a 7 to 10-point game is my guess. I think they'll keep it close for the most part, the Texans, that is. And then the fourth quarter, we'll see. Yet again, deja vu, it kind of blows open. And, and I know Derrick Henry is going to rip some 80-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I, just, I already can see it happening, Justin. It's going to suck. It's going to be painful. But I, I'm prepared. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jordan, we really appreciate your time. Everyone, go follow Jordan on Twitter at Texans underscore thoughts. Thanks again, and good luck to your Texans this year. Hopefully, you know, if things don't turn around, at least you get a high draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right, thank you again to Jordan for his time and thoughts and insight into the Texans, a game that he doesn't see the Texans winning. Justin, do you see the Texans winning this game? I don't. And, you know, I'm, always, I'm usually the pessimistic one, and I say things can go wrong. And, look, I'm still waiting for the Titans to blow this win streak and, and have that let down. I was worried it was going to happen last week. 
Um, but I feel pretty good about this game. I think with or without Ryan Tannehill, the Titans should be able to cultivate a game plan, as you alluded to earlier, that can win this game. And whether that's utilizing Malik Willis's legs or more importantly, running Derrick Henry down their throats, you rounded off the Josh Jacobs stats earlier. There's really no, and, and the Raiders O-line is not good, right? It's not very good. So there's really no excuse for the Titans not to run the ball in this game with terrific uh, success. Now, if I can maybe contradict myself, perhaps the one difference is the Raiders have a threat of a passing game with, you know, Derek Carr at quarterback, Devontae Adams on the boundary. I believe Hunter Renfro played in that game on the weekend. And I think Darren Waller may have as well. I know they've both been nursing injuries, but regardless, the Raiders do have a better passing attack, right? <laughs> than the Titans do. Better quarterback, better receivers. Uh, so if it is a gimpy Ryan Tannehill, maybe there's a chance where the Texans key in on the run a bit more and have more success than they did against Josh Jacobs. But ultimately, I think the Titans should be able to run the ball down the Texans' throats. I'm going Titans. Ooh, this is tough. I'll go Titans 20, Texans 13. Uh, Waller did not play in that game, but Hunter Renfro did. You are correct, and he actually uh, had three catches for 55 yards in his return to the lineup. But yes, this is a game the Titans should win on paper, which is terrifying to me. <laughs> the Texans right now are 1-4-1. I, I couldn't remember quite exactly the record when we were talking with Jordan a second ago, but they are 1-4-1. They've already had their bye. The Titans last season were on a six-game winning streak when they met a 2-7 and seven Texans team. And they lost to that Texans team. The Texans ended a six-game winning streak for the Titans in a game that the Titans should have won on paper. But a bunch of turnovers and, I mean, kind of fluky plays, kind of mistakes by Tannehill not being on the same page with his, you know, backup receivers that were playing in that game. Led familiar. To, led to a Texans win. The Titans have, for the most part, avoided those catastrophic turnovers this season. They did have the fumble last week, but given the game situation up by nine points at the time, it wasn't, you know, a backbreaker. Will this be a game where the floodgates open and the Titans just have a slew of turnovers that doom them? I hope not, but anything's possible, obviously. You would hope that the Titans can get the ground game going, but, you know, like you mentioned, the threat of the passing game from the Raiders, I think game planning for the Raiders, necessar- not, I mean, Josh Jacobs is having a fantastic season, but looking just back at his last few years... Game planning for the Raiders, I don't think you necessarily say, we got to stop Josh Jacobs. We got to focus all our defensive attention on stopping Josh Jacobs, you know, when Devontae Adams is lining up out wide. So going into this game, I think that's a little different. The Texans are 100% in those meeting rooms this week saying, if we stop Derrick Henry, we will cut the knees off of this Titans offense and they won't be able to move the ball. So I think the Texans are going to put everything they have into stopping the run game for the Titans. And I think the Titans are going to put everything they have into feeding Derrick Henry and trying to get the run game going, even if it doesn't work early on in the game. I think they're going to stick with it. So from that standpoint, I could see this game being a little closer and a little tougher than the Titans fans would hope that it would be. But all that said, I do think the Titans will come out on top. Just the culture of winning that has been built in Tennessee. We talked about how the Texans are, you know, potentially not even trying to win with uh, the draft pick status and the the looking like future star quarterbacks that could be coming out in this draft. Of course, the players and the coaches are trying to win because the coaches are coaching for their jobs. The players are playing for their careers. So obviously everyone on the Texans team is trying to win. But when it comes to the roster that's been built and the culture behind the scenes there, I do think, you know, the Titans' proven track record of winning and winning close games will come in clutch in this one. So I think 
This is one of those games, it's going to be pretty tight all the way through, and Titans fans are going to be biting their nails like, what's going on? Why are we losing 13-10 to the Texans in the third quarter? <laughs> but then the Titans pick their, their, for lack of a better phrase, they get their shit together and come out on top in this game. I'm going to go Titans 20, Texans 13, final score. Titans cover two and a half points on, or sorry, two points on the road. Did we go with the final, the same final score? I said 2013. You know what? I wasn't even paying attention when you were talking because I was trying to find out how many games the Titans had won when the Texans well, ended really their nice. streak I really last year. Appreciate, <laughs> really appreciate the honesty. You know, it's fine that we went with the same final score. You know where the Titans have the biggest advantage in this game that we didn't touch on? Oh enough? my god! <laughs> what? <laughs> the Texans no longer have 53-year-old wide receiver Danny Amendola because that game point. that you're referencing, I'm pretty sure. Danny Amendola, I don't want to exaggerate. I think he had 700 receiving yards in that game. Yeah, I think it was about 700, almost all of them coming on Elijah Molden, who will yes. also likely not be playing in this game because he hasn't been designated to return yet. He's not practicing, so it'd be uh, pretty shocking if they brought him back midweek and, and activate him for this game after not having him out there on Wednesday. <laughs> it would be less shocking than the Titans, sorry, than the Texans calling Danny Amendola and saying, can you come back for this one after what you did to him last year? <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, so that'll do it. We both got the Titans winning in a uh, tough, close game that's going to be tougher and closer than it should be, given the state of the Texans roster as one of like the two or three worst teams in the league. But every team that is above the top, the bottom three and below the top three is basically the same. So yes. uh, the Titans are in that mix for sure. So things will be tougher than they need to be, as always, with Tennessee. Um, all right. Anything else you want to say about this game or about what you're doing for Broadway Sports Media before we go to Kevin Byard? Yeah, make, make sure you head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Check out the full Kevin Byard interview. It should be available uh, as of this recording, as of the release of this podcast. Of course, it is going to be behind, you know, it's available to Broadway insiders only. And with that said, I think Graver's about to team me up here for the Broadway insiders pass. Yeah, so let's hear your recording from the Kevin Byard interview you conducted earlier this week talking about this matchup and a little bonus question at the end here talking about the uh, players-only meeting that the Titans held after the Buffalo disaster. Let's go to that. A massive divisional showdown against the Texans on Sunday, Kevin. You've alluded to it a little bit. These struggling Texans upset the Titans last season, right? And I, I think you guys would probably be weary of that. What's the mindset like heading into this one? Uh, it's, it's the biggest game of the year because it's the next one. Um, it's a divisional game. Uh, to go up here on this division will be huge for us. Uh, we understand that, you know, this team plays very hard, you know, regardless of their record. We obviously took a loss to them last year. Then, uh, the last game of the year, I think, you know, we, you know, it was a back and forth game. It wasn't just like we, we just blew them out and nothing like that. So, uh, we just understand what type of games we're going to be and the history that we have with this team. We have a, a really good cool running back, an undrafted running back, their quarterback. Go out there, make plays. So, uh, we're going to go out there and take the team very serious, and uh, make sure that we're not going to go out there and get complacent and, and get too concerned with this four-game win streak because we have these teams to improve. There's a lot of a lot of room for improvement on the team, so that's what we're focused on. Yes, as a follow-up, you know, rookie running back uh, Damian Pierce running the ball well for them. What's one area of defensive improvement you've identified maybe ahead of this? I know you haven't gotten into the film too much yet, but just general defensive improvement you've identified ahead of this Texans matchup. Well, I think we're, we're doing a great job of stopping the run first and foremost. So when you talk about the running back, um, I think that's probably going to be my number one key is stopping him. Uh, how to make this team one-dimensional, but, you know, obviously the pass defense isn't what we like it to be. Uh, we're ranked like at the bottom of the league or something like that, so, 
uh, I think that we did a great job on Sunday of not allowing the coach to get any explosive plays. And that's kind of been our Achilles heel where, like, 12% of our plays that we played on defense this year is, like, gave up the majority of the yards in the past game. And that's, you know, that's a few plays here and there. So if we did not allow Brandon Cook and those guys to get on the top of the defense, if we can just make them earn everything and try to make them drop them up on the field, uh, we'll think, you know, we think we'll win that matchup and be able to, you know, force that team to make some mistakes and get some more turnovers like we did on Sunday. So I think that'll be the biggest thing that we can take a pull on is just those explosive plays in the past game. Playing them twice a year, do you think annual familiarity sometimes evens the odds of a visual matchup regardless of current record? Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's a team that you know pretty well. Uh, you know the personnel. Obviously, personnel changes a little bit from year to year, but, uh, and the coaches change a little bit, but you have familiarity of how a team likes to play. Um, but also being able to go back and watch, you know, older games that we played rather than last year, a few years ago, to kind of study guys and study tendencies and things like that. So, yeah, I would definitely say that, uh, after the Bishop game, uh, familiarity. And, but I think that's also, uh, makes these games tough and it's going to make it close because both teams know each other pretty well. So, uh, not a lot of new things can get a break out against this team. Absolutely. Look, Kevin, one final question here as I let you go. Um, there were reports of a players-only meeting spearheaded by guys like yourself, Derek Henry, Ben Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, following the week two loss to Buffalo. You guys haven't lost since. Um, you know, obviously keeping that behind closed doors, but what was sort of the attitude and approach to that uh, reported players-only meeting? Yeah, just, you know, it's happened. We felt like after uh, the loss against Buffalo, uh, we just wanted to have like a check-in meeting, you know, with the team, no coach, just players. Uh, and just talk about some things we felt that was going on at the moment. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, anybody getting cussed out or we wasn't exploding or anything like that. We just felt that, you know, as captains, uh, being known to, especially with the, the high expectations that we have for ourselves as a team and as an organization, we wanted to just talk to the guys and, and just kind of, you know, clear the air or, you know, tell our people whatever about what we felt like we need to do to improve and, and get better. So, uh, like you said, it seemed like it's worked so hard, so unfortunately, and, uh, but at the end of the day, man, we still have a lot, a lot of room for improvement on the team and, and a lot of things we can do to, uh, you know, continue to improve because, uh, these are, those are the teams we're going to end up playing in the playoffs and, and obviously finally go to the Super Bowl. That's excellent, Kevin. Look, really appreciate your time today, man. Keep doing excellent work with Campbell's Chunky and the, and the Chunky Sacks Hunger Relief Program. Thank you so much. All right, great to hear from Kevin Byard. Sorry for the audio quality there. It's not necessarily the easiest thing to understand, but you know, Justin doesn't have a chance to get these players on Zoom and use my technical producing abilities. You're just you're doing your thing that works yeah, really well. In my well. defense, in my defense, Byard they essentially insisted on using cell phones right. to record the interview. So I was recording from cell phone to cell phone. Uh, we did not have the ability to hop on Zoom together. I believe he was a little bit he was at he was at an event, so I don't think they had computers set up. They were basically just calling in. Uh, to different radio stations and conducting these interviews. So it was a cell phone interview, but I promise that is Kevin Byard. It's not some random guy pretending to be Kevin Byard. And if you're having trouble with the audio, you can go over uh, to Broadway Sports and read the entire interview, including the portion you just heard. And you should definitely head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Check out all the content that is up there right now and definitely make sure you are checking out the Broadway Insider Pass, which is what exactly, Justin? Yeah, become a Broadway Insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code INSIDER to get your first month for just $0.99. Cents. 
or use the code annual uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F Words Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. All right. And of course, we have all the great podcasts that Broadway Sports Media has to offer that you should be checking out on a daily basis for all your Titans coverage. Okay, that'll do it for us. Follow Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL and follow me at Titans Film Room. Titans will beat the Texans. I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. Bold prediction because, like I said, you know, the Texans have a a history of ending Titans win streak. So I think that's bolder than people think. All right. We'll be back next week to recap this game and another episode later in the week to preview Sunday night against the Chiefs. Titans need a win going into that Chiefs game so they can be 5-2, and two, uh, heading to 5-3 and three, as opposed to getting back to 4-4. Four and four. That would not be ideal. All right, we're signing off now. Talk to you guys next week. Until then, you stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway sports media production.